Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Good morning. You may be seated. It's great to see everybody. And uh, thank you for coming, coming out again. For some of you, it might be your first time here at our women's breakfast, but we had a great time in August, and we're looking to continue in that same spirit this morning. And I'm just reminded, as we're sitting there singing, with all the things we need to get done, and Saturdays, and they're packed with the plans for most of us that are working women throughout the week, that we're doing the only thing that matters for our lives right now, and that just how everything else can wait, you know? And so as we're talking about the, um, the warrior bride is our theme. And for some of you, that might be a new concept, looking at the bride as what the Bible refers to as the body of Christ. And so it's easy to really get the warrior side of it when you think about the uh, endurance and the grind that you need to have to make it here. On a Saturday, in your faith, in anything it takes, that, that, that lifestyle of like a soldier and that warrior that's really got to fight to get through and your faith in your job to get here. And so um, Dana and I are both taking the different sides of this. And so I'm fortunate enough to be talking from the warrior bride side. Um, And anybody that knows me can laugh at that. They understand how. And without getting into the long story, but what brings me to loving this warrior side is um, a fight with breast cancer about eight years ago. And um, why, thank you. And I just came to love the whole military mindset, not getting into the story, but the Navy SEALs, and just like, wow, these people in the midst of what needed to be a real, what you needed to really dig deep and fight through something, um, was like, wow, it's all really wrapped up in the mind. And so hence, I started to really adopt that mindset in my life. And just how I was like, wow, I really could use this in every aspect of my life. And so it became this real powerful thing in my life, in my family, so much so that my daughter is a soldier at the moment, and uh, you know, a newly a soldier. And, um, and so I say that not to talk about my daughter, but only because it's given me, it's funny how the Lord has now given me a very um, practical picture of military life for me to constantly be drawing from. And before I continue, do we have any veterans in the house that we would honor this morning? I know our sister Vicki is not here, but um, nonetheless, being that we don't, we can see how this concept is such a mind shift for the female woman to embrace the warrior side and look at ourselves as soldiers because it's really not as common. Right? Why the girls, there's only 20% in West Point of women where she, where she is in school. Um, and so, so that up-close view of the military lifestyle brings me to why I was asked to speak. So a recent story is where I'm connecting the body life. Uh, Lindsay called. She got in trouble with her roommate. And you get demerits, and you have to go before a board. And so what did she get in trouble for? Well, my roommate didn't lock up her gun. And I'm in trouble because she didn't lock up her gun. Okay, whatever. So she goes, pleads her case. They didn't really care. And so the roommate got more demerits than Lindsay got, 
But nonetheless, they got both. They both got demerits, and they had to work it off. And so the point was, she was so irritated about it. And the point was, you're a body. You're one. And your friend needed, you know, wherever she fell short, it was your job to, to look out for her. It was your job to realize. It was your job to recognize that. And there's just no, there's no room. They have no tolerance for individuality. We, that's great that you worried about yourself because your gun was locked, but hers wasn't, and that's your problem. And so I walked out going, wow, that is like, so that's what I mean. My mind gets blown all the time where I connect it to the body, to spiritual life, where you say, we live in an American society where we're very independent, and you say, no, well, you're not, a, we, really in the body of Christ, there's no room for that. And it's not about the judgy, coming from that judgy angle that women can so easily be. It's really just more for looking out for each other, taking care for each other, you know, seeing where somebody has a need or where somebody's falling short, you know, and, and helping them and being supportive. And if not, I was like, wow, that mystique hurt Lindsay. And that they're saying her mistake will hurt all of us. So you help her because it'll affect all of you. So it made me realize how my mess-ups will affect you and how where I fall short affects more people than just me. And so we say that today to be reminded, we come here today not because it's a good thing and a women's breakfast, I keep repeating myself last time I said the same thing, but you know, there's support groups for everything. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, you'll find support groups for everything. And there's a reason because they help. And so today we're here as a support group because you're not supposed to go it alone. You need support in your faith. You need to be uplifted with people that believe with you. That's why you're here to make sure you're going locked up and my gun's locked up and we're coming together so I say to just close with um, Corinthians 1 Corinthians 12 Christians are all part of the same body the body of Christ each member is needed and belongs to the other and you know they did a study on what makes you know the soldiers what makes them want to go back for another duty and they re-enlist and they say they don't they're lost without going to the mountaintop to fight like what makes them and it really came down to they not just an adrenaline addiction kind of like that they have but it came down to that feeling of inclusion and belonging in a group that brought them back and that they fight for their love for the one next to them and their love for who's alongside them and it just sums up that the bible gives two commandments Okay, love the Lord and to love one another. And so all of those things bring us here today. And certainly to love the Lord is what, is what that's about. Wow, that was so good. <laughs> well, my part of this is the, is the bride part. And um, I had this thought the other day, if you could just indulge me for a minute, about heaven. And I thought about heaven. And what if we went to heaven and everybody went to heaven? And you could do whatever you wanted in heaven, because heaven is heaven. Um, there might be some rules in heaven, you know, stop signs or things like that. But for the most part, everybody goes to heaven, and heaven is just full of fun and pleasure. It's heaven. And then I thought, I saw like Jesus, and it was like, there's a group that not only was in heaven, but wanted Jesus. And that group not only followed the rules of heaven, but they also knew his heart. And his heart was, you know, in heaven, you know, if you're mad at your friend, it's okay. It's not bad. But when you know his heart, 
it's just what Jen said. He said to love one another. His heart said, um, forgive quickly. In heaven, it's really great and all of that's going on. But when you know him, things change. And when you know him, your eyes are on him. And sometimes we have a hard time. I have a hard time. I get an attitude with somebody like, ah, I don't like her today or somebody bothers me today. But when my eyes are on him, and I know he loves her, it changes it. <laughs> Those crazy songs they were singing, I can't even talk. But, you know, when our eyes are on our master, it changes everything. And we're able to do things that we couldn't do on our own. We're able to not only forgive, we're able to love in a way that's so far beyond us. We're able to understand in ways that's so far beyond us. We talk about suffering, and he said, Apostle Paul said, for these minor, minor afflictions, because he saw the master, and this was minor. You know, they would beat him, they did all kinds of things to him, but it was minor, because he saw the master. And I feel like God is so drawing us that, you know, we talk about, even today, as, as Pastor Linda shares, we're going to be talking about so many wonderful things. And sometimes it seems like it'll be hard. Like, how do you do that? But when our eyes are on him, it's not going to be hard. He's going to make it easy. And this life is not meant to be hard. It's meant to be a, a life full of love. And we can do this. So I'm just excited for what we're going to do today. Well, we have one final song for this morning, or maybe not, but we have one final song before we get to hear from Pastor Linda. Um, so we're going to ask you to stand and just let the words, listen very closely if you don't know the song, let these words minister to your heart today. Room full of women, it is just too darn good. Paula, oh my gosh, holy crow. Look at these shining faces. Wow, Janine. Awesome. Great. My friends from Community Baptist, there they are! Yeah. Woo! Awesome. Awesome. Wow, that music was amazing. I thought Jen and Dana could just keep going. Did I do something? Oh, everybody got excited. Oh, um, I don't know if I did anything. Oh, my gosh. So good to see you. Anna Janathalie is here today. She is. So glad to see you, Donna. So glad to see you. Donna's just been through a real valley, but she's been through it like a, an amazing trooper. Well, a little pressure on me this morning, huh? Those girls were amazing. I just wanted Dana and Jen to just keep going. I thought, what am I getting up for? They are absolutely amazing. They're amazing. Um, so... This is how it rolls with me, if you don't know me. I put everything in my computer, and then I'm not responsible for what comes out or how it comes out. But order it comes out. So um, sometimes that's fun, and sometimes it drives me crazy. But uh, I guess after 40-something years, I guess it's not going to But I, I do, in all seriousness, want to say to you, now, I imagine in a room like this, we have people at all different stages of the faith. There may be some pre-Christians in this room. And you're here because somebody invited you, and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to come, and I'm happy to hear. Am I on? 
You're going in and out, huh? Huh. Is there anything I'm doing? Far from my face? Hmm. Okay, I'm not used to these things. You know, in the old days, we just walked around with those hand things. And... No, I don't, though, if I don't have to. So, so this, I know that this, all of us were at different stages of, of life. Have really um, gotten to the place where Jesus Himself is real to real to you? I never used to say that to me. Mom, just keep talking. You used to say, Mom, please stop talking. <laughs> I good? Am I together? I think that's better. Thanks, that sound better? Thank you, Mel. What in heaven's name was I talking about? How many times have I greeted you? Oh my gosh. So I, I do mean that. It's um I know it's true that we're all at different stages. But I, I do believe that God is big and his No, they're telling me no. They still can't hear. Not on at all? I have to use the hand mic, I guess. But I'm going to hate it. So just let you know, I'm going to hate it. Is that better? Take me apart? <laughs> Excuse us a minute. Just take me apart. I don't know. Oh my gosh, this is what it feels like when you're in... Do you know where that wire is going, girls? It's a good thing this is all women in the room. Yeah, so I need sisters. Oh, oh, now we have to... Well, for goodness okay. sake, I have to untie like, my... Just leave it, and I'll just take this out. You can just leave okay. it. Okay, okay. So when you know this is popping around, you know what it is back there. Okay. I'm ready to sit down and go home. Okay, where was I? So I, I did say that um, I have been doing this for a lot of years. That's why I'm so old. I've been doing it for a long time. And I would honestly tell you, I really need God today. And I'll tell you why I really need God today. Because if I was sitting with a group of people, and I was told that I could give them like two messages, or three messages, and that would be all, maybe one, this might be it. Um, and because it's so dear to my heart, I think it's so central to walking with God. Um, I really do. I'm so, ex I'm so stretched out to God today and so burdened that he would help me this morning to be able to communicate it in a way that um, we would get it. I can tell you that some of the truths this morning that I, I'd like to get to and talk about I'm not one of these girls, you know, that's deep into the theology. I mean, I'm, certainly theology is important, and I certainly, you know, think my theology is okay. Um, but if it's not practical for me at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, I'm kind of like, okay, you lost me here. 
because then it's not simple enough to me to get it. And life is hard. And I believe that the day we're living in is so filled with pressure. Wherever you are, in whatever state you're in, and however old you are, that life is so filled with pressure. And I don't know, call me a crepe hanger. I don't know if it's going to get all that look better, you know, anytime soon. So I think that God has such a marvelous answer. And I think we are born just at the right time. I think that I mean that. I'm not just throwing words around. I think that, I think that God really, I, I really do believe that God and some of the sisters that, you know, that I live life with, they would tell you it was a few years ago that I felt God started to burden me about raising up women, an army of women. And, you know, one of the things that, one of the things I, as I thought about it, I thought about, what do, we, do we have something we want to give women? Do we, are live, we living a life that people are going to be attracted to? Uh, do we have something that we, want to, that we feel is valuable to give to people that we can say to them, listen, this is a life worth living. And I just want to tell you that for me, 40-something years of walking with him, I want to tell you, you cannot possibly have a greater adventure in this life. It is what life is for. Life is to know him. Life is to know him and to love him and to follow him. And I want to tell you, there's no greater adventure that you can be on. So if you're a pre-Christian and you're not quite there yet and some of this stuff maybe is kind of over your head, that's okay. Doesn't it, it, just sit there and let the Holy Spirit, if there's something that jumps out at you, um, you know, that's what I always found. I always found that when you walk away from something, a meeting or, or a, a speak, um, a meeting where there's been a, a speak, speaking and a, a sermon of some sort, um, what jumps out at you is what God wants to say to was God wants to say to you. So don't worry about getting it all in, but just be conscious of what really jumps out at you. So where do I start? Um, well, let me start by saying this. You know, as I say, you know, do we have something that we want to really feel like we can give other women, and it's it's something that is worth giving them. And, and in Luke 2, you know this, we're about to start celebrating it soon, but the angel said to them, do, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I bring you good news. And I want to ask you if it's good news for you this morning. And if you're walking with Jesus, I want to ask you, is it good news for you this morning? It's good news for you this morning. I think God wants to give us, I think the good news needs to get better and better and better. And I think this morning, I think if God would help us, and if I cough a little bit, <coughs> excuse me, has anybody had the sinus cough thing going on? I'm, <coughs> excuse me, me too. Just got out of bed with it. Um, <coughs> what I'm saying is that it is good news. It is good news, but I think sometimes religion and a lack of understanding can sometimes make the good news start to get sour news or start to get stale news, uh, boring news. And um, I believe that <coughs> some of the keys that God wants to show us today, I think, are the absolute keys 
to living the Christian life. Let me start by just telling you a little story about, um, uh, it's a Greek mythology story, some of you may know it. It's a Greek mythology story about, uh, actually it's two. One of them is about a man named Ulysses. You may know, you know me, know the story. And uh, he, it turns out that Helen of Troy was kidnapped. And so he was a man of honor. And so he had to leave his family and he had to go. Um, he took a crew and they went. And in those days, guys, you know, going on a crew and going on a ship, you know, it took like a decade to get places. Could you imagine? So they, he got on a, he, they had to go and they had to go. Uh, and they had, to, they had to get Helen of Troy back. And so now while they were going, they had to pass an island. And on this island was um, what was called the Sirens. Has anybody heard about, know about the story about Sirens? You know the story about the Sirens, right? And the Sirens were these um, actually uh, creatures that were the most gorgeous-looking women and played the most gorgeous mel melodies and music that it would absolutely overtake the sailors. And they couldn't, they, they just would, couldn't contain themselves. And what they would do is they would, they would literally jump off the ship and just to get to, get to these women. And, and it didn't matter. Uh, they were risking their lives. So they would get there. And then when they got there, they would turn out, they turned out to be some, um, turned out to be that they were cannibals. And, and as their bodies were, absolutely, you know, uh, uh, got to the shore, they were exhausted and sometimes half dead, and the cannibals would, would get to them. And it would be the melodic music that would call them and bring them in. Well, Ulysses, knowing this, knowing he had to pass the island with the sirens, this was his idea. He said what he was going to do is fill wax in the ears of his crew, so they couldn't hear it, he said, but he wanted to hear it. And so what he did, he, he, he made his men tie him to the mast of the boat and said, don't let, no matter what I say, don't release me. And so they tied him to the mast, and he wanted to hear it. He wanted to hear it. And so when the ship did get, when the ship did get to this, the island, uh, exactly what happened is what happened. People started jumping off, uh, the crew started to, to jump, off, jump off the ship, um, uh, a few, but most of them stayed because their ears had, the, the ears had their wax in, had their wax in it. And he did exactly that. He started begging them, he started to listen to the music, and he started begging them to let him go because it was so absolutely compelling. And of course, they didn't. So he was saved and safe because his crew wouldn't let, him, wouldn't let him loose. Well, now I want to tell you about a story of Jason and the Argonauts, and you probably know this story as well. Now, Jason as well was on a ship, and his ship also was going past the island of the Sirens. And as he was going past the island of the Sirens, this is what he decided to do. So Jason said, what I'm going to do is he brought the most notable and talented and gifted musician that there was in the land, and he brought him on the ship. And while they were going past this island, what he said, to the, what he said is, we're going to listen to the music of this incredible musician. And 
that is what's going to save us. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. They went past the island, and as this man started to play his amazing music, um, the sound of the music of this musician totally drowned out the sound of the sirens. And, <clears throat> and the, whole, the whole crew was saved. And you know what? I think that that's a Greek mythology story, and you can think what you want about Greek mythology, but I think it has great Christian principles. And I think the biggest principle that, the, that I think it tells us is that, you know, we are made by God to enjoy, to, to desire happiness. I love the term a Christian hedonist. That means we're Christians who believe in pleasure. And, you know, I, I'm just going to put all the religious spirits out of here today because I'm going to say things that are going to really upset them. So go, 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 go. Go, go, go. I'm saying that we were made for pleasure. And so often what, you know, the, the lie is that, you know, God, God, that isn't what God wants for you. You know, that if you really follow God, uh, you know, life is going to be tough and you just, have to, you just have to suck it up and you're going to have to just, you know, and listen, it's going to be hard and you're going to do a lot of suffering. Hey, listen, and I'm, and I'm standing here telling you, you don't have issues and challenges in the Christian life, but I deeply believe after 40-something years of walking with the Master, that I can say that if you and I don't know his love for us, if we are not motivated by love and joy and peace and all the things that Jesus Christ came to bring in our lives, I'm going to tell you, it isn't a matter of fighting the world and trying to push it away and saying, well, I really shouldn't feel like that and I really shouldn't want that. But you know what? I'm, I'm a Christian, so tie me to the mast. Tie me on Sunday up, put him, put, tie me to a chair on Sunday and keep me from going to the store and buying, um, using my credit card. Somebody do something. I don't think that that's it, guys. I don't think that's it. I think that that's the phony. I think that's the phony. I think that the true Christian life is exactly the second story. I think that we really have our ears open and we hear the music of heaven and we get to know him in greater ways. And we get to know the song that he's singing over us. It, it drowns out. It just drowns out everything else. It, it really does. It really does. And so a lot of things, we're majoring on a lot of minors in our, in our Christian theology today to me in Western Christianity. And I think that God has some keys that we're really kind of missing and uh, I'm going to ask you to hang in there with me a little bit when I give you a little bit of um, theology on my, on my whiteboard here. Because I want to tell you that where we're going to go, it's really going to be kind of important for you to kind of understand, understand a few things before we get there. Now let me start by telling you this. In eternity past, these are great markers. Oh, I didn't think they were going to open. I thought they were fake. Okay. So in eternity past, what you had was the Trinity. Nobody can see it? Not everybody can see it. Okay, what do I do about that? How about that? You can move around if you don't. Is this... 
Mocker is too light. Mocker, too light. Okay. I'm afraid this thing is going to go over. Okay. Okay. How's that? There you go. I bet the Trinity never looks so good. There they are. This is eternity past. And this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in their heart, we know that they had a dream. You have a dream. God had a dream. And let me tell you what God's dream was. God had a dream. You see, let me, before I say that, you see, the Father was the great lover. And the Father poured all of his passion out on his Son. And his Son was the beloved. The Son was the beloved. And as wonderful as that, that was and is, there was something in the heart of the Son the Lord Jesus himself, who, while he absolutely adores his father, and they have absolutely no need in the sense, uh, in their relationship with one another, the son decided that he wanted to pour his passion out on someone. He wanted a beloved as well. And so, in this council, and, and, and to do that, well, that would be something, wouldn't it? Because to do that, he would, have to, he would have to have a companion that was just like him, had his same nature, had his same nature, to be able to have, to be able to be the beloved of the son. And so in this council, and in this decision together, the Trinity decided that they were going to make something a creature. And it was going to be a man. Man, woman, mankind. He, they were going to make a man. And this person, this creature, would be so absolutely, so absolutely connected to the Godhead in this way that their life and, his, and the life of the Trinity and their life would be mingled together that they would literally be living the same life together. They would be so in union. They would be so one that they, they would be absolutely um, sharing. He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord, the Bible says. They would be so joined together. So this is the plan. This is the dream of God. Only something happened. So we know that there was another creature, and this creature was a fallen creature, and you know who that is. His name was Satan. Now Satan was there, and God put this new man in a garden, and in the garden there were two trees. One tree was the tree of life, where they would have God's life, they'd be so mingled Man and God would be so mingled together that that would be absolutely where the goal of God's desire. Well, the other tree, you may know it as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the day you eat of it, you shall die. So you have the tree of life and you have the tree of death. And that was the choices. So now Satan comes in. We know Satan deceives the woman. And we know that the, the mystery happens far beyond anything you and I could ever possibly imagine. And now, suddenly, 
God cannot be mingled with this fallen creature because now what happened is this fallen creature got mingled with Satan. Yeah. Yeah. This fallen creature got, has Satan mingled with him. And the, and, the, and the book of Romans in chapter 8 says this. It says, the spirit of life in Christ, Christ Jesus has to make you free from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? When Satan entered man, the law of sin and death now took over in his life. Now, what does that mean, Linda? Well, sin is doing what you don't want to do. And death is your inability to do something that you really do. And I, now you say, well, I don't know. How, how can you relate to that? Whether, this, whether the, the law of sin and death, you've experienced it? Well, let me ask you something. I'm going to be talking a lot about your soul and your spirit, a little theology terms, but again, essential for us to understand. You're made of three parts. This is, you, you have a body. You have a soul inside of you. That's your mind, your will, and your emotion. And then the deepest part of you is your spirit. And in the day that they ate of the fruit and they died, they died in their, they died in their spirit. They were dead to God. Now, let me just say this. If somebody told you to go take a look at, and take a look at that painting over there, would you go over there like this? Would you go over there with your ear and try to look at the painting? No, you wouldn't do that, right? Because this isn't the organ to see. My sisters, God is spirit, and you cannot know him, you cannot contact him, you cannot touch him, except by the spirit. They that worship God will worship him in spirit and truth. The spirit is the organ in man that is to contact God. So that died. That died. So now man still had his soul, his mind, his will, and his emotions, and his body. But you say, well, how do I know that that law of sin and death is working in me? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had, in your mind, have you ever gone in thoughts that you don't want to go? And you're attracted to thoughts you don't want to have? Worrying about that thing? That anxiety you keep having? That fear? That lust? Uh, it could be anything. Your mind keeps going to a place that you can't seem to stop it. Or how about, your, how about your will? Did you ever know something was really wrong for you? And yet you, can't, you just keep getting back, going back to it and then hating yourself after and, feeling, and, and then beating yourself up after and everybody said, amen. And how about your emotions? Did you ever love something that you knew you shouldn't be loving? You're just telling me. You're just telling me that the spirit of, you have experienced the spirit of sin and death. Because that's how it operates. So now man, so God, now God had a problem, can I say? Now God's creature that he made to be mingled with him, to have his life, not the life of sin and death, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This person who was made to live with him and by his spirit has now so totally and completely been tragically and completely lost. Now, what does God do?
Well, who's going to take who's going to take this creature and bring it to death? Bury it and bring it back to life. What do you think that is? Bring it to life. Jesus came and this, when I tell you this is totally and completely, this person, there's nothing good. God would not redeem it. God could not recover it. It was too beyond recovery. Now remember something. When God made the earth, when he was getting ready to make this man, he made the earth. It's like getting the nursery ready before the baby came. Before he created man, he created, it was creation, right? And, he, cre and his cre he made creation. He made the sun and the stars and the moon. And that was all to get the nursery ready for the baby. All, all this was to get everything ready for the companion that he was about to have. That he was about to have. Well, now, when this happened, it wasn't that just man fell. It wasn't that man just became absolutely dead to the purposes of God. All of creation was doomed as well. Romans 8 tells us that even creation groans and waits for, this, waits for Christ to come back because you know what? You know, from this point on in the Bible, it's never called earth again. You know what it's called from this point on? The world. This is now headed up by Satan. He is the prince of the world. And now this is now his domain. Therefore, now, so now Christ Jesus has to come and he takes, what does he take? He takes, can I turn this? Look, look. Ah, thank you. Thank you. But, okay, thank you, Mick. So now, all of this whole old creation is absolutely, completely, and absolutely, as far as God is concerned, there's nothing he'll have to do with it. Nothing. Now, I told you the world, I said, so now, now you've got two things in the Bible. After that, after this, you see the world with Satan at his, as its head. And then you see something else. You see the kingdom of God. God with Jesus. And all through the Bible, you will see this going on. You'll see that, uh, you'll see that the old creation is steeped in the world. In other words, so, so let's say this. Okay, I'm ahead of myself. Let me, let me say this. So now you've got the situation. You've got the world and the kingdom. The old creation is dead and gone. But enter the Savior. And we, of course, we are so, it's amazing that we have our sins forgiven. I mean, how incredible. If you don't know that today in your own life, that your sins have been forgiven and taken to that cross in Jesus as though they were his sins himself, that is the truth. That, ladies, is the first step of this amazing story. I want to tell you something. You know the early church lived in awe about Christ. 
They lived in awe about what he did. And the fact that we are not living in awe, that we don't walk around and have to pinch ourselves, tells us how far out we are that we don't see clearly. If we could see with eyes of revelation what Jesus has really done for us and the world that he has translated us into because the Bible says that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. I mean, I'm telling you, this is real. I'm telling you that this is something that is real as a baby's birth. So I want to tell you, so now what Jesus does is he goes to the cross. He takes the sins of the world. He takes the, all the creation, all the people all the people he takes. He takes all of creation and he takes it all on that cross and it all died in him. And then the most amazing thing is, so then he's, he's dead, he's buried in the grave, but he comes out of that grave. He comes out of that grave. But the thing is this, he comes out of that grave with a whole new creation following him. It's another race of people. They have nothing to do with the old creation. They are the new creation in Christ. And if we don't start to understand that's who we are, that we are the new creation, and that, that we, don't, we don't have to, we are now free from the devil. We're free from Satan, but you know what? We don't really believe it, and we don't act on it because we don't really have revelation just how free we are. And you know what, you know what religion does? It makes it all about behavior. It's all about behavior. Just do the good thing and do the right thing. Be nice little Christian women, and that's, that's what Christianity is. Well, I've got news for you. The Bible says that you could give your body to be burned and if it's not love, if it's not the Spirit of God doing it, if it's your flesh, then as far as heaven is concerned, if it's the old creation, God says, no way. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In my flesh dwells no good thing. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm getting the best part yet. So now, so now, so tell me what the flesh is in the Bible. I've spent years, the flesh and the spirit and the flesh. What is the flesh? I want to tell you what your flesh is. Your flesh is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your body acting like that's all there is. Just you. It's just about you. It's just about you. It's you not mingled with God. It's you thinking you're God. Now, if you don't know that, that should change your life. That should change our lives. The flesh means, and now there's a war between your flesh. That means your mind wants to take over. I want to go back to that. I was thinking about it the other day when my mind kept going back to a situation I didn't want to think about. And, and I was, you know, I, I, trouble with me is I have to live these things before I teach them. It's so annoying. <laughs> and I was thinking, it's kind of like going back to a dog goes back to his old bone. You know, like I said, Linda, stop going back to the bone. Because your mind, you know. Now, this is what I want to tell you. Your spirit, the Holy Spirit, he, he went through two stages. The first stage, he became man. It was the in, he became incarnated in man, right? 
Oh, that, this must really be bad because people leave them like flies. So I'm just trying to figure out. <laughs> it's okay. Bless you. I know there's a good reason for leaving. No, seriously, because I, I really want you to get it. So his first process and his first stage was he was incarnated in man. But the second stage is the Bible says that the Lord became a life-giving spirit. I'm going to be using the Holy Spirit and Christ and life-giving spirit interchangeably because I don't know how, there's no way you can divide them. It's the Trinity and I don't, and in the Bible you can't even do it. So I'm telling you that that Jesus, so Jesus became a life-giving spirit when he went through his death his, his burial and his resurrection. He became a life-giving spirit. And you know what that means? The day you received Jesus Christ and you opened to him and he came your spirit invaded you because that's what born again is. You see, born again means you get a new life. I'm born again. Now you've got a second birth. You've got a second. Because the old career, everybody in this room has had a first birth. But being born again means you've got a second birth. Amen. And God's saying this, I want you living out of the second birth, not the first birth. Amen. The Christian life is about living out of your second birth. Amen. And so you say, well, Linda, that's not, that's really narrow-minded. I mean, what are all the nice people in the world that are good people and they don't know Christ? All I'm telling you is they're the old creation. They're the old creation. And I didn't know when I was in the old creation that I was mingled with Satan. I didn't know it. I was a nice girl. I was a nice Italian girl. I went to Catholic Church. But this is a, this is a judicial issue. This is a legal, this is something that is so real in the throne room of heaven. Do you think Jesus came down to do this because this was some little masquerade he went through? He came down to do this, and I want to tell you, when you get your eyes open to the Bible, everything changes when you see this. You know why? Because you see, let me tell you something that I think some scholars would maybe disagree with me, but I'm telling you I'm right. I believe that Eve was created on the eighth day. I don't, she was not created as far as I'm... Adam was created on the sixth day. Yep. And then God... Yep. <laughs> let me finish. Yep. And then God rested and creation was over. You go back because people agree with me. And I believe it's true. You know why? Because eight is the number of a new beginning. And so Eve, who is the picture of us, the bride of Christ, Came out of his side. Remember Adam and Eve? Came out of his side. Had a bone of his bone. A counterpart. Remember when Adam looked around at all creation and saw everybody had a counterpart but him? And, and God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Eve, girls, do you know what our testimony is? We get to represent the bride of Christ. The men represent Christ, and we carry the testimony of being the bride. We literally do. And so, and so I believe on the eighth day, he created Eve, and that was the picture of she was the new creation. And I always say to Joe, he didn't get it right the first time, but the second time, <laughs> second time he nailed it. Ladies, this is the core of what I'm going to be saying this morning, and it's absolutely imperative that we understand it. 
The Bible talks about three different states. You're either unregenerated, that means you're only, you're only born once. You have no, your spirit is dead. Your spirit can be affected by dark powers, I have to say that. Uh, but your spirit is dead to God. And then, so you can, have, you can be in that state. The second state you can be in, you're born again. You're born again. And you have God's life in your spirit. But you're not living by that life. And you know what the Bible calls that? Carnal. So God said to the Corinthians, and they were doing, one guy was sleeping with his mother-in-law. I mean, they were fighting with each other at the Lord's table. They were drinking wine and getting drunk. I love it. And you know, Paul, I, I, love, I love this. I don't love that. But I, what I love, what I love is the fact that Paul, all Paul did was tell them, you guys, what you're missing is you don't know the spirit in you. And you're living like old, you're living like old people, living out of your soul. And instead of letting your spirit do the leading, your soul is still leading you. Now, ladies, you know what that means for us? It means that if your emotions and your moods lead you, that's your soul. It means if your mind you can't get a hold of and your mind is leading you, apart from the Spirit of God, that's your soul. And it means if your choices and your will is leading you, that means you're being led by your, you're being led by your soul. Now, I just threw out meat. Oh, my goodness. You need to get that. Look how big you've gotten, darling. Looking at me like, what? Now, some people just sat here and said, I don't care about this. This is over my head whatever. I'm telling you that I just told you that one of the biggest keys of the Christian life, because if you live your whole Christian life in your soul, because I want to tell you something, you think it's because your, your problem is your husband. You think it's because it's your mother. You think it's because of, I want to tell you the problem is you're living out of your soul and you're not in touch with the spirit of God and you're not living the real Christian life until you are somebody who is walking by the spirit and living by the spirit and that really is the Christian life because the truth of the matter is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death you know what that means that means when Satan tries to come around and he starts to come around and tell me you know what how anxious I am, how fearful I am, how sinful I am. I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't understand. That's not me anymore. You have no rights any longer. That is not, that's the old girl. You need to go right now in the name of Jesus because I am dead to your power and I am alive to the Spirit of God. But I want to tell you, we're not doing it. We're not resisting. We're not recognizing. We're battling all this in our soul and it's our mind and we can't get a hold of our mind. And we're getting depressed and we can't get out of bed because we're depressed. And it's because we do not understand that we are a new creation, a whole new creation. And that the Spirit of God lives in us and His Spirit is in our spirit and He is waiting for you and I because you see your soul surrounds your spirit. And if your soul just keeps taking over, you can't even feel your spirit. Your spirit gets submerged. You're feeling, your spirit gets submerged. And so we've got to be people who understand the difference between the soul and the spirit. Now, this is what the Bible says, because Jen, you were talking about the mind is so important. 
Well, let me tell you this. Romans 8 says this. The mind set on the flesh is death. You know what death is? You know what death is? Death is your depression. Death is the frustration. It's the, it's the um, works of the flesh. The battle in your mind for jealousy, anger, you name it, girls. We do need to make a list. We know what all that feels like. You know what that is? You know what the Bible calls that? Death. Now, the, Romans 8 says, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Now, you're going to say, well, this is all great, Linda. What, what do I do with this? I'm going to tell you that I want to get, I want to be with a bunch of women who really want to go deeper and really want to know this and really want to be people that live by the spirit and really come and really, I mean, really become people that understand the laws of the spirit. And I don't know about you, but I'm all up for, for I'm, 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 excuse me, I'm up for life and peace. That's what I'm up for. And you know where I'm at? I'm like not taking anymore when I don't have life and peace. I'm not going there. It's like, okay, no way. You, mind, you're not taking me here. And my emotions, no way. You're not in charge anymore. My spirit is in charge now. And you better just, you just kind of, okay, you told God how you felt. You're feeling bad. Give it to him now. Move on, girl. And my soul is not going to lead me anymore. And tell me, because that is not who I really am. My identity is a child of God. The spirit of God lives in me. And my flesh... And we've got to recognize when it's our flesh. You know, one of the greatest tip-offs for me is um, it says that the Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit, and where there's Spirit, where the Spirit is, there's, there's liberty. You ask my prayer team, there's only one thing I ask them to pray for when I minister. Just pray I have freedom. Just pray I have freedom. That's all I want. And one of the ways you know, you know, is when you are bound and there's you just, there's something sometimes sitting on you, and you can't even figure out what it is. And ladies, unless we recognize our soul from our spirit, the book of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, to asunder the soul from the spirit. And I'm telling you that in the hour we're living in and walking into, in this world, if you and I do not know the difference between your, our soul and spirit, uh, it's going to be really hairy. Because the Bible says that in the last days, there's going to be lying signs and wonders, miracles that are going to happen. And they're all going to come out of the empowered souls of the old creation that's energized by the spirit of error. And we need to be people that know the difference between our soul and our spirit. Because, you know, in the book of, in the, book of the Revelation, when, when Jesus is walking through the churches, you remember, and he's talking to this church and he's saying, you know, this I like and this is good and, and that you need to repent of. You know what he was saying? He was saying, that's not me. I don't care what that looks like. It may have the signs and it may look like it's doing good things, but the whole issue, you go back and look at him when he was walking through the churches. What he was saying is, not what it looks like, but what's the source of what you're doing? What's the source of what you're doing? Because God wants us living out of that second birth.
learning what it's like to know his spirit, to recognize the moving of his spirit, and to be led by his spirit. Let me give you a little for instance, and the girls that are hanging out with me for years, they've heard this a thousand times, but it's one of my best illustrations. Uh, I was teaching in a Bible uh, counseling school in the city for a number of years, and um, some good friends, and they were getting ready to extend their counseling um, program and start a, really a, another, it was a Bible school, they were going to start a counseling school. And so the fellow that was starting it, a friend of mine, he said, you know, I really want you to come in and I want you to really be a part of it. Uh, I'd love you to be, you know, come on board. And at that time, the church was really small and, you know, it was kind of actually pretty discouraging in a lot of ways. And it was kind of like, you know, this might really be a good thing, you know. I I'm into counseling and so, you know, this might be a really good thing. So he said to me, look, here's this book. All you have to do is get a hold of this book, read it, you know, do some of the work in it, and hand back the papers to me, and I'll be able to just, you know, give you, give you a certificate, and you'll be able to be, you know, I'll, um, you'll be able to be a part of the team. And I was like, yeah, 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 that sounds good. That sounds good. That's a great idea. That's a really a great idea. And then suddenly, some, it, it was like weeks and weeks and weeks. I kept saying, Linda, will you go get the book? Go, go. I mean, you're so darn lazy. Just go get the book. And I'd be like, yeah, 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 tomorrow I'll get the book. I'll get the book tomorrow. And I, I, that, was like the, that was like went on, on and on and on. And I kept, I kept telling myself I needed to go get the book. I kept telling myself it was a simple situation I needed to do. But you know what? No matter what I did, one day I walked in and I thought, that's it. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get the darn book. And I'm just going to do it. And it's just that simple. And suddenly I stood by the, I stood by the bookcase and this is what came to me by a revelation of the Spirit. Oh, you are not leading me to be a part of this. There is no life in me to do this. You have shut, this door is shut. Now, my soul was telling me one thing, but the Spirit was totally and completely telling me absolutely not. And you know what, guys? That counseling center went down in flames there was adultery involved. It became a really bad situation. And all I can say is, for me, I just stood back and said, holy Toledo. Had I forced myself by my soul to say, this is a good idea, and not wait on God for God to move in me. And for God. Now, I'm not going to say you have to ask God for every single little thing. I don't mean that. And, I'm not, and, and listen, you, it's not to get paralyzed here. But it's to understand that there is a life in you that's deeper than your mind and deeper than your emotions. And that's a river that lives beyond your mind and beyond your feelings. There's a river of God. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of people who think they're really spiritual Christians. And honestly, they're living out of their souls and don't realize. I want to tell you something. Even prayer can be a very soulical thing. You know what, God, you know what the best thing to do? is You be quiet a minute. Be quiet and say, Lord, I just give, I want, I want you to lead by your spirit now. Lord, I just, you know. One of the things we do is tell our soul, you need to just be quiet right now. I read something at the last meeting, I don't know if you remember, if those of you that were here, but it's a little thing that said, speak to your soul like a little child, like a little toddler. Now, come on, sit, now that's enough. You're just going to wait, and I'll let you know. But guys, really, we really do need to know the difference when our soul is leading us. And... A great, um, I'm a student of A.B. Simpson. 
and he's the one who mentioned that, you know, the, the occult, they literally have situations where they have seances, and they could swear that they have seen their grandfather, they've heard their grandfather's voice, they know his voice, and they've heard him. You know why? Because Satan can paint on the air visions of, and visions of things that are not real. How many times have you been in a situation where you were so sure what you were looking at was real and you found out later you were so off track? Come on, Jen. We need a break. Come on, Jen. So give Jen a hand because she needs a little courage to, to, to tell us this. She needs a little courage. Now, I'm sure you're going to relate to this because everybody has been in situations where you're so sure what you're looking at is real, but you find out it's not. Jen, you had a situation like that once, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about she it. She wants to infuse a little humor at the moment. So in a nutshell, um, happened a long time ago, but it was, um, I went away for a weekend. I don't know where I, I don't even remember where I was, left the family, whatever. Came back next weekend. It was in December. It was Lindsay's birthday. So all the family's together, and we're celebrating. Megan's there. Megan's a key part of the story. And um, I won't live this down, so I might as well admit it to all of you. So, um, okay, we're going to sing happy birthday, whatever. It was like, I guess new, cell phones were so pretty new that I didn't recognize, like, one from the other. So, anyway, I grab, I grab my phone, and I'm going to, like, record the whole situation. So, remember, I had just been away. So, I'm like, okay, okay, you know. And I open my phone to, um, to get to the camera, and I'm like, what? Meet you meet you at the Walmart on a Friday night? I'm like, this isn't my phone. This is Scott's phone. And I'm like, oh my God, this is Scott's phone. Hmm. I was away last weekend. Yeah, meet. Is that a good time? This girl, Tara. I know Tara. I know this name. It sounds so familiar. So I'm like, I know this girl. Oh my God. So it's back and forth dialogue over the um, meeting where they're going to meet and where they're going to get together. And I'm like, fuming in seconds. So I'm like, oh my God. So I say to myself, okay, just we have company, you have people over, just handle it after everybody leaves. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, happy birthday, whatever, and I'm videoing it. I'm like, okay, just, you know. And they're like, happy birthday, and she blows it out. And I'm like, Scott, meet me inside right now, please. <laughs> so it's <laughs> the truth. So he comes in, and we're in the room, and everybody's like, where did they go? And I'm like, do you want to explain to me what you did last weekend? And he's like, what are you talking about? It's back and forth. This, I was so heated. Anybody that knows me, that doesn't happen to, you know, takes nothing, but whatever. So I'm like, oh, my God. So what do you, you know, who is this? And Tara, and I recognize her. We know each other back from high school, he and I. So there's a long list of people that we would know. I know a lot. So... Oh my God, back and forth. He's like, what are you talking about? And he's letting me like get into this deep. And I'm, your phone, it's on your phone right here. It says, Tara, that you were meeting at the Walmart, blah, blah, blah. Finally, the story is his hands are in his pocket in his sweatshirt and he pulls out and he's like, I don't even know whose phone that is. This, my phone's right here. And he goes, and he goes, and I, you know how you're like so angry? I'm like, what? And he's like, we have company, I gotta go. And he, and he leaves, and I was so mad, I had to stand in there for a minute, because I was like, what just happened? And I was so angry, and now I'm looking at the phone, I'm like, this is Megan's phone. So, and then I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, the name is familiar, because it's Megan's friend, Tara. I know Tara, and so I stood there for a few minutes, like, what do I do? Do I 
try to pretend or just suck it up and just face it. And I had to, because he was telling everybody we're moving out. So, so I was like, just go with it, laugh at yourself. You just gotta go with it. And to this day, Tara, Megan told Tara about it. So every year on Facebook, Tara and Scott are friends now. And now they make fun of me publicly on social media. And so now you all know about the story. And it's not true. It was a mistake. How many times have we been there? Oh, man. I put my foot in my mouth a plenty of times. <clears throat> this is what I want to end with. This is what I want to end with. If you and I don't realize and don't have revelation about how precious you are to God, you are a whole new creation. You give your life to Christ, I want to tell you, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. You know what that means? It means you may sin, and your conscience may bother you, and you need to take care of it with the blood. But as far as God is concerned, judicially, in the courts of heaven, there's no condemnation to you that are in Christ Jesus. And if you could see, because I know who I'm talking to. I know who you are, because you're like me. And you sit and you listen to all this stuff about Jesus loving you. And you think, yeah, I know. I know. Well, he loves all of us, doesn't he? He loves the whole world. But the Song of Solomon, which is in the center of the whole Bible, the whole, I told you that the whole Bible is a love story. It's about the central issue of the Bible is that there's a power couple. And it's the whole Bible. All the Old Testament was God talking about Israel. My wife, my wife, why are you doing this to me? I'm sick of your sacrifices. What I want is your heart and your love. And then you see the whole New Testament. And you see, you see, the bride, you see John the Baptist say, and here he comes, the bridegroom. He's coming. He's coming for her. He's coming for her now. And you see all the Gospels. And that's what the Gospels are about. It's about him coming. He's coming for her. He's coming for that counterpart. That he was originally his dream. That's what he's always wanted. That is what he's going to get. And then you see the epistles. And you see it all through. And husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church. And marriage is the mystery because it's all veiled and symbols of talking about this power couple. And you know who the power couple is? It's him with his redeemed on the arm, the bride of Christ with her, holding his arm. The whole Bible is about the power couple because God is going to get his dream. And I want to tell you that the day you live in and the day I live in, you've got to have a revelation that he loves you. And you know what a renewed mind is in the Bible? A renewed mind is you need to change the way you see yourself. You need to change the way he, you see he looks at you. And you need to change the way you look at yourself. And unless you and I really have this revelation that God loves me, because the Song of Solomon starts, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. You see the old creation, he breathed into their mouths. But the Song of Solomon to me is a picture of the new creation. And what does he do? He kisses her right on the mouth. Now this is a holy thing. This isn't a, you know, we live in a world that's so, uh, that is so, we've demonized anything that's romantically holy and good. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you if you hear nothing today, I'm telling you that the new creation is the jewel. It's what you go out and look outside at the creation and that's what it was made for. It was made for us. 
He made it all. I want to tell you, all, all the new people, uh, and the new people, the folks that are really exercised about climate, and I get it, I'm not putting them down, and about the creation, I get it, but I've got news for them. That creation is already doomed. This creation is already doomed, and there's a, but there's a day coming, there's going to be a new earth. There's going to be a new earth, ladies. It's going to be a new earth. And I'm saying to us, I'm saying to us that the Holy Spirit wants to be, he wants, to, he wants you to know him so well. He wants you to know his leading in your life. He wants you to walk with him. I want to tell you, I don't care what your life is like right now. I'm telling you, listen, I don't know where you stand with this, but uh, Kanye West, you can have it all. You can have all the fame and all the money. And you know what? They say it doesn't do it. The world can't give you what we're looking for. Whatever you think is going to be the answer. Maybe it's going to be your family, your husband, your kids. I want to tell you those are gifts and they're good. But I want to tell you that the human heart is longing for something greater than anything you can touch in this world. And it is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is a knowing Him and the, in a, in a, in the joy and the peace of living a life that's lived with Him in the Spirit and knowing Him in, these, in this way. And I'm telling you, don't be satisfied if you don't really know, if you don't really have a revelation that you are loved. He knows you personally this morning. That Song of Solomon, you know what it says? It says that she was burned from the sun. We've been burned, all of us, haven't we? We've been burned in a thousand different ways. But you know what? He came, and he came, and he brought her life. And he came and said to her, I don't see you the way. You go back and read the Song of Solomon. She said, but I'm, but I'm this, and I'm, and I'm, I, 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 you know, I'm, I, I'm all swarthy, and I'm burned. And he said, oh, oh, my beloved, this is how I see you. And I've got news for you. You know what you're busy telling him about how, about yourself? You know, he doesn't even answer the old creation when you talk to him. When you tell him what a mess you are and how all the things about yourself that you hate, you know what he's saying? Oh, honey, I don't see you that way at all. I see you through the eyes of what I did for you in the, in the new, you are mine. You're my bride. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't things we're going to work out in our lives because we are. But can I tell you something? You'll never change unless you're loved. Do you know a secret? From, I'll tell you one of my secrets. When I'm down on myself, what I do is I go to Jesus and say, you need to love me. You need to love me right now. I, the last thing you need to do is start working hard for God or working and trying to work something up, ladies. I'm telling you that it's important that we know him in such a real way, and it's got to be by revelation. It's got to be by revelation that he knows you and he loves you. And he wants to lead you in a life that's got life and joy and peace. Do you know something? Every negative emotion is temporary. But the Bible says that joy is everlasting. Do you know all the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. They are eternal. But you know, your anxiety and your fear... Do you know that's all temporary? That's temporary. I think Dana alluded to the verse before. This is my new thing. When I'm in a situation these days, this is living to me right now. And I'm in a tough situation and I'm in a battle and I'm, and I'm struggling. 
this is something that I say a lot and you maybe want to adopt it, it's the Word of God. For this momentary light affliction I'm in right now is working for me an eternal weight of glory. No matter what you're going through right now, and I know some of you are going through hard times, I want to tell you, Jesus knows. He, things, I want to tell you though, half the problem is, we think, we think the problem is this, but the real problem is, I'm walking in my flesh and not the spirit. Did you ever go talk with somebody and, and you know, you don't, maybe you're, there's some uh, awkwardness in the relationship and it's really a tough situation and you walk away and you had just been with them and you walk away and you say, well, that's funny. I just had such love for her right now. That was like really, wow, that was, have you ever had that happen to you? You walk away and say, gee, nothing bothered me. I was really like, kind of like, wow, that was really a, you know why? You were in the spirit. How many times you move away from that and you go home and then your flesh takes over and you start to think about it and you start to say, yeah, but you know, she did say that to me. She did look kind of funny when I said that. Guys, I'm sorry, this is mysteries and they're not easy to put into words. But when you're walking in the Spirit and you're walking with God, He gives you a peace that you, you can't get anywhere else. And when you're not walking, and when that peace stops, you need to stop and say, God, I lost my peace. What just happened? I'm saying don't live without your peace. I'm not saying that there isn't things that hit you and your flesh gets hit with messages and perceptions and things we hear and, and we get and we get rocked because you know what? The devil's messages always come through your senses. So they come through our senses and they rock us, but now we have the choice whether my soul is going to take over with that message I just got in my senses or whether my spirit is going to take over from that. Don't live without peace and don't live without the, that deep sense of knowing. Learn. And I'm, you're saying, well, I don't know how I'm doing that. And that's really hard. Well, you know what? Let's start learning. Let's start asking God to teach us what it's like when I'm in my spirit and when I'm out of the spirit. And let me start to discern the two. And then let me start to learn to walk in the spirit and live in the spirit. So, Father, that's what we're asking for today. Father, I pray for the ladies in this room who have had one birth and haven't had the second birth. And so this is really kind of hard for them to understand. But we pray, Father, that by your spirit you will let them know that you love them and that they're here today and they're in you and they're surrounded by Christians because Lord you're calling them and you desire them and Lord you want to give them you want to give them that new birth you want to come and live in their deepest part of their spirit you want to come and live in them so father we pray for them today and then father we pray for all in this room and all of us that's every every Christian in this room knows what it's like to live part in the soul and sometimes live in your spirit and father we just really need your spirit to teach us by revelation what that feels like and what that's like and give us real revelation and understanding father because we want to be those that really are living the real true Christian life walking by the spirit living by your spirit and being moved by life free from the law of sin and death. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, ladies. You've been a patient, a patient group. Love your faces. I'm not done yet. Well, okay, Joanne said I'm not done yet, so let me just finish this. I didn't go through your envelope. I had the girls in the office take the prodigal son and make it feminine. So this is the elder daughter and the prodigal daughter. And guys, you know what? It's such a picture of the creations. Because the prodigal that goes off and goes off, you know, and spends their life in, in, in whatever and comes back and what does the father say? My daughter who was dead is now alive again. And that's the picture of us when we come to Christ. And we get a whole new life. And you know who the old elder sister is? She's a picture of the religious girl doing all the right things. Has that ever been you? I've been the religious girl. And you know what the fruit of being doing religion and doing, uh, living under the law and all the things that you tell yourself that you should be doing and not living by the Spirit? You get resentful and angry and you don't go into the party. This is, my new, this is my new phrase to myself. When I'm having a bad time and I'm having a war in my own mind, I say to myself, I, I go back to the story of the prodigal. Remember, he came back to the father. The father gave him a new coat, robe, which is a picture of being the new creation in Christ. Christ now covered him. And he, and he, and he slayed the, the calf, the, the fatted calf, right? And he gave him a party. And this is what I say to Linda when she's having a tough time. Linda? Get into the party. Get out. You're outside right now. You're all ticked. You're resentful. You got the, you know what, girl? Get into the party. I want to tell you that music that the, that the sirens were playing, if you and I will hear the party and hear the music that Father is playing because he loves us and he has a party going on for us, if we will listen to that music, we will drown out. We won't have to worry about being tied to the mast. When we're hearing the sound and the music of heaven and God's love for us, it won't be hard for us. You, the other music gets drowned out. So take a look at your folder. We've got that. We've got, the song. We've got some lyrics to a song I never did play. So maybe another time we'll do that. And we have a little booklet that talks to you about how you can get a word from God. We came across it in our files. And we thought it might be something that you might enjoy. So uh, we give it to you with our love. Have a wonderful day. And, and we have the harp. Why didn't you? Yeah, like really? Why do you forget all these things? You have a little picture frame on your way out. It's a picture of a, of a, a woman playing a harp. And it's a reminder to you that you need to be listening to the music of, of Christ and his love for you to drown out the other music that wants to pull us in the wrong way. Amen. So take that little picture frame home with you, okay? Have a great day. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.